If you turn with me in the Word of God tonight to the book of Revelation, Revelation and the chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And we're going to be looking at the first six verses, and we'll read those in a moment or two. Just seek the Lord quickly in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray for Thy hand to be upon us, and in this final devotional message that we are giving this year, we pray that Thy good hand will lead us energize us, comfort us, challenge us. In our Savior's name, we pray. Amen. Do you know people, and they'll go to a bookshop, Waterstones, or whatever, and they'll pick up a book that looks to them to be very interesting, and then they'll flick, first thing, right to the final chapter. And if they like the ending, only then will they consider buying that book. Now, to some of us, that would ruin the tension. I mean, if you know how a story is going to end, and you've read the final chapter, then many people will think, is there really a reason to buy the book and read it at all? When it comes to our future as believers in Jesus Christ, however, Knowing the end of the story is of the utmost importance. We, characters on the grand stage and saga of history, we begin the journey of faith when we come to Christ, led by His Spirit. And when we begin from that point, we know the end of the book. We know what the final chapter is going to be. Some things in life are just too important to be left in tension. As one Christian song runs, I've been reading in the Bible about the ending of the age, and one thing that's for certain, it grows closer every day, but I'm not concerned about the way it's going to end, because I've read the back of the book, and we win. I'll not tell you who I'm quoting because I never do quote him. Although, in fairness, it's a correct comment. And he did say many, many years ago, I've read the last page of the Bible. It's all going to turn out all right. He is right, of course. Towards the end of the book of Revelation, John is detailing for us a vision. That's why we're turning to chapter 21 of the book of Revelation, detailing a vision of what is going to happen in the next age. When this world ends, a scene revealed here by our Lord Jesus Christ, and it holds out and pulses towards us amazing life and beauty and hope. And John does three things with this vision that he's given. Look at Revelation chapter 21, and we'll read from verse 1 down through to the end of verse 6. Notice the three main things that he does. And I saw 
first thing. A new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more seen. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And, second thing, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away." And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Here's the third thing, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. What has happened when we come to Revelation chapter 21? We are beginning a new section in the book of Revelation. Now, if I can give you a very simplistic outline of Revelation centered on Jesus, it's a book, it's a revelation of Him, so it's all about Him, and we have Jesus as the Lord of the churches from chapter 1, verse 1 through to the end of chapter 3. Then we have our Lord revealed as the lion over the nations. From Revelation 4 verse 1 right through to 20 in the verse 15. I said it's simplistic and it is a simplistic summary, but it gives the main thought. Jesus then, in Revelation 21 and 1, where we've just read from, right to the end of the book, two chapters then, He is the Lamb among His people. Donald Gray Barnhouse, great Bible commentator, famous preacher, he said in this chapter, Revelation chapter 21, we see that the history of time is finished. The history of eternity is about to begin. And somebody else has described this great change and transition as from the smoke and pain and heat. It is a relief to pass into the clear, clean atmosphere of the eternal morning where the breath of heaven is sweet and the vast city of God sparkles like a diamond in the radiance of His presence. Now, we said that John does three things with the vision. And we noticed he heard, but before that he saw, and after he heard and saw, he was writing. So, first of all, what was visualized? What he saw with his own eyes on this occasion. What was visualized by the vision that he was given? Revelation 21, the verse 1 and the verse 2. John did not have in his hand some kind of a holy crystal ball that allowed him, as he looked into it, to predict the future. He didn't need that. The Lord is standing beside him, sketching in all of the necessary details right here, allowing John to reveal what a future when God restores all things is going to look like, turns us from destruction, turns us away from sin and from evil. And what we have here is a classic soul-thrilling vision of a restored creation. 
in which all things have passed away. Those former things, they were outside of God's will and plan for mankind. Evil, outside his initial plan, death, mourning, and all of that. But those things belonging to the old order that plagued us so much are gone. Revelation 21, verse 1 and 2, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. What's John doing here with the picture of the bride? He's pulling in the most striking, beautiful image that he could think of. The most beautiful thing a man will see is his bride coming down the aisle, ready to meet him. But the first people who read these lines in Revelation chapter 21, back in John's day, living, rubbing shoulders with him, they were still living in times when evil and suffering were prevalent. And the current reality for them was trauma and trial and conflict and tribulation. And we are still in that day today because those are the things that we find in life. But John is showing us by the revelation of Jesus Christ that after all the human drama, after death and destruction has come to an end, then everything will be made new. You may have noticed here that the sea is mentioned as being no more. We have the old earth and the things passing away, but the only thing specified, mentioned in particular, is the sea. Very striking imagery here because the sea to the Israelite mind would have been an ominous, threatening force, a place of separation and a place of evil. And those Bible passages that pull that into view would be Psalm 69, verse 1 to 3, Isaiah 27 and 1, Isaiah 51, verse 9 and verse 10, Jeremiah 49, and the verse 23, the sea speaking of separation, speaking of evil. In other passages in the Scriptures, the sea is associated with the heathen. Isaiah 57 and 20, for example. And then in a more general sense, those who are opposing the Lord that will be conquered, Psalm 89 and 9, the sea is taken as a picture of their agitation. And already in this book, that we have turned to tonight, the book of Revelation, we find the sea is the source of that satanic beast. Comes up out of the sea, Revelation 13 and 1. It's the place of the dead, Revelation 20 and verse 13. Now, the passage admittedly may not be talking about some literal scene, but certainly it means, in terms of symbolism at the very least, that when the sea, the seat of evil, that seat of evil is removed, then sin and destruction and tribulation and chaos will be chased out with it, overcome where the seat of the power is, the sea, and then all will be made right. Remember what Paul told the believers in Rome, in Romans 8, the verse 21 to 23. He talked about the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know, he says, that the whole creation 
groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. We know something better is yet to come. All of creation is caught up in Jesus' resurrection. And He's refreshing, He's renewing, not abandoning what He has created. He is changing it all. And it's important that John sees this. John saw, John saw, that's what we read, that He sees it and relays it to us so that we too might see it. And what do we see? God's plan in it all. As you look back over the year that has virtually passed, 2022, and as we look forward into 2023, no doubt you can see sin. You can see evil. You can see destruction because they showed themselves in 2022. They manifested themselves. We have known hard times, bad times, tragic times, but we must submit ourselves to this knowledge. And this is what John is doing here. God is working to a particular design. I do not know what lies ahead, the way I cannot see, but one stands near to be my guide. He'll show the way to me. I know who holds the future, and He'll guide me with His hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by Him is planned. So as I face tomorrow with its problems large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles. Give to Him my all. John, see, and he does what was visualized, verse 1 and 2. But then secondly, what was verbalized, verse 3 and verse 4, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are past away. Notice the difference. John is now hearing something. And what he hears, if you look into those words in verse 3 and verse 4 of Revelation 21, you will discover it's all about how intimate God is with His creation. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived among us, so too now all of heaven comes down to us. We know that after resurrection, our Lord ascended to His Father. But in the fullness of the time, we know He will make His dwelling with us once again. And this time, it will not be for a few years of ministering. It will be forever. He will reign over us with love and mercy. Everything will be in harmony. Everything will be rectified, made right. We'll make our abode with Christ. Not back as it was in Eden. Even better than that. In a city whose maker is God, 
the place it's teeming with life and teeming with relationship, and we become a holy, thriving community with Christ as our loving, just King. And as the hymn writer said, and never, never sin. Verse 4 indicates here that every tear we have shed will be wiped away by God. Sice, Bible commentator, words are probably so small on screen here, but Sice said, every tear. Notice that, every tear, for they be many. Tears of bereaved affection, such as Mary and Martha and the widow of Nain wept. Tears of sympathy and mercy, such as Jeremiah and Jesus wept over the sins and calamities of Jerusalem. Tears of persecuted innocence. Tears of contrition and penitence for faults and crimes against the goodness and the majesty of heaven. Tears of disappointment and neglect, tears of yearning for what cannot now be ours, these and whatever others ever course the cheeks of mortals shall then be dried forever. Another theologian, Valvoort, is very keen to emphasize that these tears in heaven should not be used by preachers on a kind of putting people on a guilt trip down here upon earth. I mean, if you don't do enough for the Lord Jesus, then you'll have tears in heaven. He's saying, don't be doing that. There is no just ground for imagining from this text that the saints will shed tears in heaven concerning the failures of their former life on earth. The emphasis here is on the comfort of God, not on the remorse of the saints. You see, all that has ever caused us pain will be redeemed. Imagine what it will be like. No more to have to grieve again. No more to feel pain again. No more to be hurt again. No more to suffer again. It's beyond our human understanding to think of these things, but that's what John is hearing from the voice of God. He's hearing about a world where there is no more war, no more tyrants, no more banditry. No more economic systems of oppression because God's economy is the only system that can be sustained for eternity. And John is wanting us to hear there is a world coming that finally will be made right. Fantastic message about a glorious future. Just think. Man has never known in all of human history a community, a world unmarred and unbroken by sin. Adam and Eve only knew a limited community. And a community in a larger context only came long after the fall. But here in the New Jerusalem, John is telling us we have something totally unique. A sinless, a pure community of righteousness, a holy city. Just after the funeral of Mrs. Margaret Beggs this week, people moved into the church car park, and they sang a hymn that has been sung here. Both McGill funerals, as in Granny and Granda, there is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day, 
That will be what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day! Glorious day! That will be. So, what was seen here or visualized? Verse 1 and 2. What was verbalized, he only saw, but he heard a great voice from heaven teaching him this. And as a result of what he saw, and as a result of what he heard, what was ventured? Verse 5 and verse 6. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write. For these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Here we have an authoritative announcement coming straight from the throne of God. The statement we have is actually in the present tense. I am, in effect, making everything new. It has begun, this work, and there will be a consummation. The work that I have begun will be complete. Paul saw that work beginning, as do we. He said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And then again in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Henry Morris, famous creation speaker, said, Presumably, this means not only that everything will be made new, but also that everything will stay then new, the entropy law will be repealed, nothing will wear out or decay, and no one will age or atrophy anymore. Up until now, you could say in Revelation 21 verse 1 through to 4, John has been passive. He's been seeing, he's been hearing, but you can do both of those just sitting there. He's been passive, but now he's asked to do something. He's asked to take action, to testify, to write down what has been shown to him. And the first words that he writes are what? It is done. God's eternal purpose in Jesus Christ is now accomplished. Ephesians 1 and 10 has been fulfilled, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And as John's looking into this future event, he sees everything has been resolved, everything has been summed up in Jesus Christ. It is done. The world sitting around us and milling about tonight has no idea about the reality of God's plan. They haven't a clue, no clue at all what His idea is for the future, how frightening it must be to them when they ask, what is going to happen in the future? But we know, because we have read the end of the book, because we know what Christ's plan is. And we are called upon to act 
on what we have seen and act on what we have heard. In other words, take the good news and carry it to all of God's new creation. What we do through Christ, what we do by His Spirit, is in concert with what He is doing and in concert with His plan. We are sharing His love. We are telling of His hope. We are, as we venture into this new year that we have now just entered, 2023, we are looking for His healing, saving, redeeming power to break through greater than we've ever seen it before. Even now, while we taste of His love, we are filled with delight through His name. But what will it be? This is what John was writing about. What will it be when above we shall join in the song of the Lamb? We are encouraged tonight to know that what we are currently going through is not the end of the story. Far from it. We know we can't be exempt from the sufferings of this life, but we can make our way through it by the grace of God, leaning on our Savior, knowing that Christ dwells with us and realizing this is not the way it's going to be. This world is being made new, will be made right, despite what we currently see and what we hear. May God give us grace to see and to hear and to write or act as John did here. May we do that in 2023 in preparation for that final day when everything will be gloriously and ultimately changed. Heavenly Father, that is our admission and our acknowledgement in 2023. I need Thee every hour. Come quickly and abide. Come and stand beside us. Walk with us. Talk with us by the way. Help us to see what John saw, to hear what he heard, to act in the way that will take our knowledge to those who need to know. In our Savior's blessed name we pray. Amen. Have a very happy, precious, and prosperous new year, and enjoy. And if you want to sign up for one of these walks, come along. The one thing is you'll not lose any weight, but you will get fresh air. Every blessing. Thank you for coming.